right, you guys, we are back in studio for Hope Ignited. Hey, hey. I tell you, we have had some pretty impressive guests. Oh, yeah. Um, but I'm really excited about our guest today. I mean, you know, when you talk about the Sultan of Swat, the Colossus of Clout, hails from Michigan, most consecutive starts in the NFL during your time there, NBCF advocate, Car Cares Foundation founder. I mean, we when we talk about a bio and an introduction for somebody, Brandon, we could talk for hours about your awards, your accolades, but at the end of all of it, you made the time to show up, and you're here for us today. Welcome to the studio, Brandon right, welcome Carr. Brandon Carr. Oh, yeah, I think I'm here at the nice studio, <laughs> and I see why you want to do the introduction. I appreciate that. It's been far too long since so I've been intros. I appreciate yeah. it, man. Yeah. She would, yeah, she killed you. Bro. Yeah, so, she hypes it up. That was awesome. You're yeah. our family for real, you know, yeah. and it's so cool to really just be able to share with the audience a little bit more about who you are, your heart, your connection with NBCF, but... We want to we want to take it back. I mean, when we talk about you know humble beginnings and just let's start back in Michigan, and you're in college. Where'd you go to college? Grand Valley State University. And that's what is that D two? You're a big a big D two. Yeah. Uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan, a lot of people they say Grand Valley or Mississippi Valley or Delta Valley, but Grand Valley State uh, won two national championships. Only oh, lost four okay. games in four years, wow. so that was, uh, when I got to lead, that was a big contrast, but wow. yeah, man, it was humble beginnings, and it just um, gave me my work ethic, and just kind of, that foundation was created at a young age, and then when I got to be a, a teenager slash semi-grown man, you know, I got to lay one more time at Grand Valley, so it's been, it's been a good journey. When did you think that, did you always have a goal of getting the NFL? No, so my first goal, right, from Flint, Michigan... We play basketball. You know, yeah. you think about the Flintstones, Michigan State, Spartans. Yeah. Um, Michigan State was a school I wanted to go to in Florida State. So my biggest fan, I was the biggest fan of Joe Dumars. Oh, yeah. Uh, for the Detroit Pistons. And yeah. I was also, Charlie Ward is like my all-time Oh, yeah, favorite. Charlie Ward. It's Florida incredible. State, you know, he played basketball, football, and ended up playing basketball in the NBA. Um, yeah. So all these players, not flashy, yeah. consistent, uh, I feel like. I didn't meet them, but I feel like they were just good role models both on and off the field. And that's like how I want to carry myself. Um, so, you know, just Grand Valley, man, just just a big, another big opportunity uh, for myself um, to, you know, play a sport that I love. But going back to it all, basketball was my first sport. And it wasn't until fourth grade when I began playing football. And that was one of my one of my better friends growing up, his dad. Another dad in the community started the youth football, which is mm. a pop warner back in those days. And we started to play. And, you know, it was fourth through sixth grade. So I had to survive for a couple years. And uh, I didn't like it. I didn't like football, but I was still playing basketball since five years old. My dad was my coach from nine to 17. I was a point guard. I had goggles, but I'd get busy on the court. Uh, you, know, yes. could, you know, it wasn't too much contact. I didn't have to yeah. fear the big sixth graders and the, and the older guys, but I could do my thing. But it wasn't until... Uh, I want to say maybe eighth grade going into ninth grade that it finally clicked for a couple of reasons. Uh, my brother, who was four years older than myself, was um, the first black quarterback in my at my school Stop. and pretty much in our town, yeah. um, like the outskirts of Flint. Um, so he was a big inspiration to me just to see that, you know, in the offense that we ran, was, it was a, it was a veer as an option. So we were running the football. So oh, yeah. I can, can do that. I, couldn't, I can throw it maybe. Yeah. From here to there, but yeah. run the option, I can do that. So yeah. I was able just to get my Fitzgerald on. So I was the ball boy um, in, in middle school for his 
for yeah. all his teams in high school. So I was a ball boy for what, four years. So I got like a sneak peek, and I was like light years ahead yeah. of my my teammates and stuff. When we, when we got and you there, you trying to like always catch up to your older brother. Right? Yeah, I was. I was and trying to. I, was trying I, to I can like, relate you know, to that. He was smooth yeah. and all that. I was like the rough, like the brute one, like just physical, yeah. all that good stuff. But um, but it wasn't until eighth or ninth grade. And the, re- the biggest reason was this. You know, we start to uh, get to like you know you got the EYBL basketball now, mm-hmm. the Nike circus and all that good stuff. Yeah. So back then we didn't quite have it like that. It was AAU basketball, YBOA. A couple of little grassroots started up. So we went to our first like Nike tournament at Cleveland State, I want to say. And it was like our first game was on a Friday night. You know, it was a little different. Oh, so man. we get in the gym and I'm walking. Hold, hold, what was your hype music back then? Do you remember? What's your walk-up song? Yeah, man, there had so, been something like so you're look, in the locker room and you're getting ready, you know, and everybody's kind of So doing back that. then, like DMX was big. <laughs> right. So I would do like the all the like some yeah. of the skits, like the Lord's Prayer stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. I would do that for my high school team. And back then, we used to do the um the chant. Uh, everywhere we go, we were TCI yeah. shoot, TCI shooting stars. So like I do that type of stuff. Yeah. Uh, who else was big back then? I don't know. Was it this is the nineties too. I mean, yeah. think about it. I know. So like yeah. that was that was our music for the most part. Uh, uh, the Dayton family was so we from Flint, so that was, uh-huh. that was our local like rap group, and they were pretty yeah. popular for us. So Dayton family stuff like that. Um, but eighth, ninth grade, we go into a tournament. And I'm walking down the stairs, and the team is walking up. I think it was the Atlanta, Atlanta Celtics. So I think that was like Dwight Howard's team or whoever it was wow. back then. So I'm walking down. They're walking up. And I'm just like. <laughs> so you, you, you saw Dwight, like you were playing Dwight like, Howard. Like they're taller than me. Yeah, Dwight Howard's ridiculous. Up, and I'm going down. So I'm just like. Superman. Dang, we're in the same grade. You know? So yeah. I'm like, okay, this is a little different. And then uh, I think I went to an Indiana tournament at Spies Fieldhouse, and I was able to see Sebastian Telfair yeah. and for the uh, New York Gauchos. Mm-hmm. And that was, I think, ninth grade. He and they was playing like a grade or two up. And I was like, "Dang! Yeah. Like this is my competition. He out there fast break windmilling. Yeah. Like, I can't even smack the rubber yet." <laughs> so at that moment, I'm like, "Hmm." I seen my brother go through the process. Uh, yeah. Scouts kind of drew them like, "Oh, he's a big, long, six foot cornerback." Yeah. I'm like, "Okay, six foot corner, six four point guard." Uh-huh. I'm like, "Dang, you know, yeah, not there." So by ninth grade, I'm like, "Man, this is what I want to do." And I didn't know how I was going to do it or what, but I was still hooping. But really by 11th grade is when I had that, that make or break moment in my life uh-huh. because, um, you know, here they, they start personal training, sports training at at two. You When they start walking, I'm figuring yeah. it out. I'm, yep. I'm trying yeah. to get the program. Yep. Like my son now, we have still days of, he's eight. I still my days of, you know, you can Fortnite and do all that stuff. But I'm going to come get 30 to an hour, maybe two, and we'll yeah. get some work. Because I was like, it's, it's fun when you win. It's not fun when you're losing. So anyway. Yeah. Got our first personal trainer, and that first day, I quit. After that, after that first day of training with him, like we did jump ropes, running down the street, push ups, got some weights involved, finished out in this back room, like uh, sit ups and push ups, like two hundred each, like just flipping, flipping, flipping. So to the point where I had like nightmares. My like my mom, but my dad, they tell you like I was at home like talking in my sleep, tossing, turning. That next morning, I'm like, bro, I'm not doing this. Like I'm. I play football, whatever. But I'm not do this training, so I go. Play, I'm, I'm, I'm playing some basketball, and just having that support group, my friends, just a few of them, come through the bust through the door. I've been telling this yeah, story yeah, for my whole yeah. life, but like they bust through the door, and like I try to hide on the toilet or just try no, to like, say no. I'm like I'm, I'm good. Can't hide from it. Right. It was four o'clock in the afternoon. Yeah. Let's go, bro. And from that second day forward, moving forward, like that was my turning point, and like I feel, felt like I could do. Anything in life, and that's why I was able to use like use sport as like my chessboard, but just like as my 
like my fire just to yeah. keep mm-hmm. continue to mold me as a person because I can ultimate commitment a team player here, but in life you need the same, you know, the same, you know, uh, pillars and the foundation to get to where you're trying to get to. And so it's so interesting. Well, I'm sure we'll get to this in a few minutes, but youth leagues are a really big deal to you and in particular like reaching back and helping the young guns out. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at that point, it obviously made a big difference in your life having like all these different levels of men, right? right? They're boys, teenagers, men, and seeing all these, these uh, role models out there, right? Um, so when did you ever have a struggle kind of realizing you were that guy for people? Or when was that point for you where people started telling you, hey, you're my, you're my role model, mm-hmm. whether um, or not they were saying it? It's, it's always like, I guess, it's, it's humbling and flattering, I guess. Um, I guess even right now, I'm still in that transition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In a different space, you know, just playing football, NFL, like that's a different platform. It's more like a superstar role modelist, you know, like they don't really stay to see me on TV. I'm kind of like, I want to be that guy, but I don't get to, I don't really know him like that. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in a different space of like my, my father, like he was, he was a coach, but now I get to see like what was, uh, youth coach compared to a, like I want to do NFL high school. Like he's a he's a youth coach, so like he was a a father figure. He was an influencer. Like mm-hmm. everything he did. So some of these kids was like, that's what it's supposed to look like. Right. Yeah. So like I'm getting into that space and like transitioning from. Yeah. I don't say stepping out of the Ferrari, but getting out of that, get into yeah. the family car. Yeah. And like let me go ahead and yeah. try to learn how to keep myself. I mean, dang, back then I was supposed to probably keep keep a haircut, but like just trying to just. Make sure the things that I'm saying to these yeah. kids, whether I'm, you know, busting their balls or, anything, or talking yeah. stuff to them or, or motivating them or just whatever, you know, yeah. any information I'm giving them, it's like, hey, Coach Carr right. said, Coach yeah. Carr did yeah. this. So it's yeah. like, I'm learning now. I'm learning how to, how to talk like a coach. And it's yeah. like, it's different now. It's like, you know, I laughed at the coach. or not laughing. I'm looking at this guy. He was coaching me for so many years. Like, now I got to be him. And talk that uh-huh. same way and get that same information. It may not come off the same. Like Deion Sanders is breaking the mold of the traditional old school yeah. coaching. Like this, my word is is, is bond and it's golden now. So it's like right. that piece. I'm still trying to figure out. And you said about the mentor thing. It's like we. T- I talked to even. I had so I had the podcast for mm-hmm. a year. So me and my co-host David Walker. We was that's how I kind of got started. We talk about you know through the stage of life, youth sports, high school, college, professional. Who makes it? You have coaches, and then you mm-hmm. enter the real world. Some enter it before others, whether it's out of high school and that's your last time playing, or in college or whatever. Like, who coaches you? Like, right. who is there to yeah. teach structure? You? Right, right. And it's like, like you say, maybe the coach may not have to be so much older; they can be younger. But it's like we need to continue to have that conversation, be coached up, and have those like be in that room, either you being a player or the coach or something. But like, yeah, I uh, think that that's why a lot of players who come out of the NFL struggle in those few years after because it's like all of a sudden they don't have that structure and they don't have that. They don't have like someone telling them kind of like a, a leader telling them show up here, do here. They're not dependent on the same way. When you're regiment. Yeah. Yeah. It's the, it's the structure. It's the regiment. It's like, we've been accustomed to doing things for me. It was 25 years. Like it was from 10 years old until 35, whatever, whenever I finish, you know, I've, like I'm still still going right now, but it's like even right now, like that's kind of all I've known. Mm-hmm. I go to I went to school. I was learning other things, but like the bulk of my concentration and time and everything, clearly, I mean, it was 
boom, right here on there. I mean, there's some guys that can just they can do it. They yeah. just wing it. They got mm-hmm. other things they going. I got going on. But for a lot of guys, I feel like you know, even football, it's a different sport. I'm learning that right now. Just even with the youth scene, it's like you know, you got baseball, volleyball, soccer, all these other sports that cost like some money. Sure. But the football is like. I kind of want these guys, but they may not be able to, you know, afford it. So, like, that's it's like a poor man's sport, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And as we get to the next levels and things, you know, we don't have maybe they didn't have the resources. Um, as I get into the foundation and things, like it all goes hand in hand with yeah. all this stuff. Yeah. So, I feel like the transition is is hard the first couple of years, and just now we get into this whole mental health stage, the the awakening, enlightenment of everybody, just mm-hmm. paying attention to all that is like. I think it's okay. We get to, we should. I challenge myself on a daily. I've been through my two years, finally kind of coming out of that kind of like in the basement, a cellar. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like um, feeling ashamed or anything. I'm just trying to figure yeah. out like, damn, like what's next, or you know, just making the next move. It's a little different. Like, dang, I'll go third and two and lock you up and stuff. But now it's like. Yeah. Make the decision, bro. Like make the cause. Like ah, it's tough. So it's like just gaining and getting those wings and getting my feet on me in that aspect. But the first couple of years is very challenging, and we just so prideful. We forget to ask for help or just forget to kind of have a locker room talk because that locker room is therapy. Oh yeah, and we sure. just kind of get out the locker room and don't talk about it, or things just start hitting us. The little fires become bigger and bigger, bigger. We just don't put them out. We just procrastinate. A lot of a lot of stuff that go into it, right? And then speaking of that, there is something I want to unpack. So, Kevin, one of the things you said is, at what point do you realize that you're kind of that mentor to this younger generation? Mm-hmm. We had an opportunity to fly to Baltimore and to do a Hope Kit packing party. Um, and you know, we we've been on a breast health journey together. We love honoring your mom. We have an award named after your mom. So right. I do just want to say, Miss Kathy, we love you so much. Yes. Everything glory be to God because of her. Right? right. We do all this for her. Um, but that trip to Baltimore was really special because you told me that day, you said, I don't know who's going to show up. Like I put this out to the team. Um, if, you know, if they can be here, they'll be here, but we just really never know because they're practicing. It was the middle of the season. It's hard. You want to know who showed up were the rookies that look at you and that you were paving the way for that said, I want to be like that guy. You know, it's not like I didn't see the pink backpack on a couple of them. They're earning their stripes. But then you even have like Eric Weddle, remember at the time. It's like these guys have so much respect for you and so many of our mutual connections are in the PR world and these individuals that have worked for teams that you've had the honor to play for. And they always say that you're their favorite. But I just want you to know, never underestimate the impact that you have on all of these football players. It didn't matter how seasoned they were. They look at you and they show up for you. Um, I mentioned this at the beginning, but one of my favorite stats that you had during your time at the NFL was the most consecutive starts. You always show up. Let's talk about that. What's what's really fuels you? What's the importance of showing up? I mean, honestly, just throughout my whole life, I've uh, I feel like I've the team aspect is what intrigues me in sports. And I think that team aspect is what, as you, you look at the different successful people, companies, whatever the case is, like they, it's always a team. You know, it's not just one person, whether they can take the credit or they're the ones in front. Um, so it was just me understanding my role. And plus, I was a coach's, I was a coach's kid, you know, and I just always wanted to be dependable for my teammates. Um, you know, we, the locker room to me is, it's like, it's sacred, like I miss it and people, everybody can't get into that locker room and it's a lot of things that happen in there, it's, it's the locker room, it's his own zone. And, you know, I just, me personally, when I commit to something, 
And that's why I have a heart. Like I kind of stress myself thin in a lot of areas. Like when I commit, it's like, damn, I'm here. I got to do it. So with the whole team thing, man, I just, for one, I enjoy competing. No matter bigger, smaller, better, I'm match, whatever the case is. And then the next part is I just love to be out there with my dogs. The, the ones that I, we both sacrificed this, we both committed, we both grinded through the dark days, mm-hmm. the good times, hot, all the, whatever, you know, we, we share the same thoughts and all that good stuff. And um, that part of it. And the next part is like the challenge of it all. Like, I feel like even in life, we're not going to have our best days. Every day is not going to be a good day. Maybe, maybe the week, a month, a year, a couple years, 10 years. Like, it, you may be going through some storms, but it's like, you got to get up and you got to like, look in that mirror and just go commit yourself to go do it again. Like, try. Like, go. So that's what I've always been. And I've also been blessed not to have no crazy, crazy injuries. Yeah. Um, so that's been a big piece as well. But, like, just those things. Just, I just wanted to be – I just love to play and I love to be with my, with my dogs. That's awesome. what, what role does Hope play in a professional athlete, in a team, in a locker room? Man, it's, it's, it's pretty much the theme every – we can come up with different mantras and whatever each and every season, but every 30, all 32 teams start with the same thing. It's the hope, the hope to get to what we all trying to get to one, to the Lombardi, to the trophy. But hope, man, you know, it was, I think it kind of sparked all of our careers, mm-hmm. even at a young age and throughout the, the process, there's been different things that have kept our hope alive, alive or ignited or reignited our hope mm-hmm. in certain areas, you know? So like for, my, for me in 11th grade, that was like, maybe that was my probably, probably got re, re-lit again, right? Re, reignition and got sparked again in college and I fell a couple of times. But like hope is, is I think is what we all, that's what we grind for, right? Because we don't really know. Yeah. We, we're hoping that we're going to make, have that great season, yeah. that pro role. We're getting that, that bag, that, that deal or this, that, and the third. So I think that's. That's the word. Maybe it don't sound like, it's but that's, that is what it is. We we yeah. all hoping to get what we're trying to get. We all going to work in different ways or try different ways to get it. Did anyone ever say anything to you, like a coach or another player, anyone that really inspired you when you were kind of at a crossroads of hope? Yes. Romeo, two two people. Um I remember like it was yesterday. So it's a lot of things, like different different parts in life. If you don't say me, I'm going to be really upset. Oh yeah, there are actually three people that inspire me on a daily basis. Yeah, and then you guys it's came. Yeah. You guys okay. came yeah. and like, turned it up like yeah, yeah. yeah. right. So b- before all that, it was uh, my let me see what camp. It was my training camp in, in Kansas City. So it was I want to say my third training camp. Right, um, Romeo Cornell. Yes, third training camp. Yep, second or third. Romeo, Romeo Cornell was my defensive coordinator. And it was after a practice, and I think I was just, like, struggling. Mm. And, uh, you know, I started the whole first year, and they might have been the second camp, right? Come to second camp, I'm just, like, struggling. Like, dang, like, my other guy's doing better. And it's like, damn, my job. It's like, damn, I just, I work hard for this. Like, what's happening? It's like, I know I can do this, but it's like, boom. But I think he just came up to me after a practice. And it's just a simple thing. I can't remember verbatim, but it was just basically, like, you know, it's not the end of the world that you're having a bad practice or a bad camp right now. You know who you are. Relax and just like just just go, like yeah. just just go with it. Boom. So that was one that day. Yeah. And then because I was in the shower today, I was thinking about this. I was like, man, 
the course, some certain course I was trying to anticipate, right? Yeah. Cornerback. Yeah. And I was like, uh, you know, how do I? Well, I was thinking about a camp. Somebody asked me to come do exposure camp, like talking about identity and by playing a game. I was like, okay, how? I was going to talk about, like, you know, I asked, I talked to God on daily. I talked different. Maybe we all talk different, differently to him. Mm-hmm. I was like, he responds. I'm like, what does that sound like? Yeah. I was like, to me, he responds to me in ways it's like people will say or answer me whatever I was asking, and it would be in different arenas. Yeah. Or, yeah. Would it be the same? Like, what? Like, who are you? What, what are you? Why are you? How you know that, right? So yeah. Yeah. that's how it happens to me in yeah. some of my conversations, right? So the second time I'm in my dorm, we stayed at... Um, St. Joseph, we stayed in St. Joe, so whatever the college is, I get it. In the dorm, and I'm just like overwhelmed, man. I'm just like about to cry. Like, what the heck? And my teammate, old head, John McGraw, um, old safety, about, about year 11, 12 at that time, wow. come into my room, just kind of see I was like struggling a little bit. And he handed me a Bible, and he had uh, a scripture for me. Can't remember it, but I read the scripture. And it's just like, dang, like, bro, you, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like the simple, it's simple. It ain't nothing. Profound. But it's just yeah. like, yeah. to me, in my my moment, I'm going to remember even when I'm hopefully yeah. down the road and I can reflect on life and things, like those defining and turning points and people, nondescript plays, yeah. so to speak. It was like that day when I felt like it was, you know, it could have been make or break time for me. I could have went wow. up the deep end. It's like. Got real back in in that situation. And that's of course the time in different moments. Keep hope alive, or just like you know those yeah. that just keep gives me hope. Is like dang, and in return is like I hope I can be that guy mm. when I get older. He probably was just being having a day, you know, just his normal day, and he may not even remember that. That's the thing is you probably affected so many more people. And I know you have. You affected so many more people than you think you have by just being you. That's true because your character is makes up who you are. And you just sort of move through life every day, and there's this giant wake. And I think we just, in general, we don't realize the wake that we've left behind. Like, that's a good transition. Talk about your mom for a second. Like, your mom, an amazing woman. She left a a giant wake. She was in a job, right? So maybe you could tell us a second about what she did. But she was in a job that maybe might not leave a wake, like, in their own minds as they're going through it, right? right? I'm just a teacher. Yeah, I, I just do this simple job, but tell about the wake that your mom left. Well, she was the third of, let's see, it was seven in her family. I want to say seven, right? And two of them, my two aunts, uh, Brenda Spencer and Mildred Robinson. Uh, Mildred Robinson passed a few years back, but Mildred was the first one. That's on TV. She moved to Flint first. Um, and she taught for 40 plus years. Wow. Now she was in Flint with the, um, she used to serve and teach um, along in the same community alongside the Black Panthers back in that time, right? So she was the first to come. Um, so she started it. And then my Aunt Brenda, she came a few years later. Then my mom, which is the baby out of the entire family, came um, years later to Flint following them as well. So, um, her passion has always been, I guess, teaching. You know, I get a, got a chance to learn a lot about her, hear a lot of stories, you know, after the fact. And it's yeah. like, damn, I get, like, it just kind of brings more color to who she is yeah. because, you know, she was mom and she tried to yeah. be mom. And it's like, damn, I get a chance to see, like, you was taught, you talked a lot when you were little. Like, yeah. my kids do the same thing. I'm like, okay, now I get to see it yeah. right here. So um, 
But no, she was like the, like I say in the list of of her siblings that came to Flint to teach, mm-hmm. and that's how she met my father, and that's how that story went. Um, but she was teaching, and that was her passion to a point where you know I could see from day one to day one hundred and eighty, however many days we in school, like her for one, get drained like a mug, yeah. right? But at the same time, she getting like charged up and refilled throughout the process because little Johnny can finally complete the sentence mm-hmm. or can write or do this or she can look in his eyes or her eyes and see like it's finally, the gears are yeah. finally turning. Like that little stuff is like, dang. Yeah. You know, her kids, are, we over here, you know, I'm getting straight A's and all that, but it's like she in a different world when she's yeah. going, like, that's where the car care. I'm going my seat. Yeah. I'm going to go somewhere different than my comfort zone and go help. So yes. just seeing her and, and you know, my favorite time was to go, was to take your son or daughter to school day. Like, I used to enjoy it because walk through the whole school. I see her just motivating her class. I heard about y'all so much to get a chance to see you all. Um, but then it came to the point where, like, the coach, she used to do the, like, we used to clean house, spring giveaways. We're giving it to janitor, this person, mom, this, that, and the third. My aunt's doing it. Um, you know, we get a chance to maybe have some cleaning. Some ladies come and help us and clean our house every once in a while. We're taking care of them. So I just got to see my parents do it. And it, and it wasn't like we doing it and talking about her average. So I, that's why I'm like, I don't. I don't say I just we just do it, you know. So it's like I just got a chance to see them do it. Then my dad came along and he he began to coach from nine to seventeen. So that's a long a whole yeah. decade of watching him do his thing almost, yeah. right? And he still shows up every Thursday. Man, he's, he's still, still coaching. There. Coach, he's I'm pulling. like, it's so funny to hear him. I'm 36 years old now. Yeah, happy he, happy late birthday. Thank by the you. Way. I appreciate yeah. it. Man. I appreciate yeah. it. And he is there. Was 68? What is he? Yeah, something like that. And he is there coaching me like. I'm laughing like this is so funny. Yeah, Ju- so Justin funny. says he pulls them all the time. He's like, "Hey man, if you tried this on that shot," and Justin's like, "Yes sir, yes sir, yes I will." Yes, so I will. Like, he yeah. just like to be around it too, right? Yeah, so like, the coach always a coach. Man, I got yeah. it. I got it. Yeah, so I had the education in the sports, but I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't run. So no, just was seeing her, even on her last, you know, her her last years, you know, she was still in a classroom until she couldn't do it anymore. That was her joy, um, and then like her last days, man, it was. The powerful part about it was just she was there, but she was you know transitioning. Mm-hmm. But just to hear her talk and just to just to feel like her energy, because like my biggest thing, I was just like, hey, so I got a chance to you know Cowboys gracious enough to let me come home before I missed a couple of weeks of camp mm-hmm. to you know be with her and just to see her. Like my biggest thing was like. It's not your time yet because he's still preparing your classroom. For more people to do your thing up there, and that's yeah. what we hung on to until it was her time, right? So beautiful, and you know, just to kind of keep the—I don't say the theme, but like you know, yeah, whatever the theme for her life. Yeah, we got themes in our life, so like that was what it was about. Well, that was her God-given talent, that was her God-given right? Talent. And, and I mean, her legacy lives on through you. And I'll tell you, we're going to have to, for the sake of time, we're going to have to have Brandon two point Brandon, I, like I'm all, here. we're going to have to have you on the podcast all the time, but. A lot of what we talked about before you joined us in the studio today is people have an opportunity to Google tons of surface level things about you. But really, we wanted to bring you into the studio because it's a place, a safe space to break down walls and to get to know you. You know, we, we get to do that with the stories of Miss Kathy and your dad. Tell me more about your family. 
I know your greatest joy in life is being a dad, being a coach, all these things coming full circle. Tell us more about your wife and your family. Man, it's uh, we are busy, 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 and it's it's so exciting. It's so draining, and I get to laugh at the end of the days. So I'm like, dang, it was just two of us. Was, I got five, um, <laughs> but just this, like you know, and I'm trying to do. Actually, I got five kids, but then I got the rest of the boys that I'm coaching. But like just the at home family man, just trying to balance that. Juggling oh, yeah. Tori is. It's doing, harder than the NFL, right? It's harder it than so anything. So much harder, yeah. right? I would much <laughs> rather be in the, watching film and all that, right? But no, yeah. it's uh, just to see. I got the two little ones. Like I just laugh. I got you know four or fifteen. Oh, dang, fifteen and eight, and I got the two and one. So I was like. It just went, you know, yeah. COVID. Hero. I blame it on COVID, whatever, but it was COVID. <laughs> it was going. Um, but, you know, Sid is a grown woman, about to leave today, actually. She got a tournament in Arizona. Oh, so gosh. her and I and Ace going to ride, going to fly out with us. We're going to check her out. You know, she's been balling, doing her things, a ninth grader, transitioning, get to see her social life, all that, becoming a young lady. Oh, my gosh. She got to make her own decisions. I got to live with those now. Like, yeah. I taught you. I mean, I thought I taught you. Mom taught you, and then you right. get to learn them on your own. Boom, and then so we got we got Tyler, Kansas City. You know, she'll be here soon. But you know, her and Ace are like the good thing now. You know, siblings they different areas, but like you got social media, you have iPads with the FaceTime, and you got Fortnite that they play all the time. So it's like they there every day. They're so connected. So connected. Yeah. So bam, she'll be here soon, uh, and she coming to the house. She's like the balance. Because Sid is Sid is kind of out the way, Ace is wild and crazy. Eight, Kylie and Ace are the same. She's two, and she is she probably the most athletic one. Out of, out of Kai, really? And she do it, and she wears a dress and a skirt every day. All she want to do, but she can run, jump. My girl. She got one leg, two legs, can spin around like she's that. It's funny, and she talks. And she was what she came out with three, two months early, like she was ready to go. So she's Skylar really, Diggins in the making. I yeah, see she it. She got some juice to her, yeah. like really like assertive yeah. and spunky. Say what yeah. she feel and she means it. And then Kobe, um, what, eight, sixteen, eighteen months now? Mm-hmm. I gotta get these months things down. That's your One, anchor. Yeah. And he is the him and Sid are a big, like like my mom's side, big boom. Ace and Kylie are like the long, like Tory. Mm-hmm. Skinny one, thin one. So you're probably going to have a mix of basketball and football in there. That's what I'm seeing. And volleyball. Uh, well, it's funny because you got to think. Sid, got, Sid see me do everything. She was there. Ace been in the locker room since he was. But I got to, I mean, Ace got to see it, you know, what, five years, whatever it was. Got to be in the locker room. Kylie has will never see me play. Kobe would never, ever, ever see me play. All he can do is watch highlights. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. He going to see me as a coach and as a dad. He going to watch Austin play. And everybody else. So I guess that's the funny part. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. And at this point in my life, I'm like, you don't have to do it. It's like, I'm, my kids are like, you don't have to do it. But if you're going to play it, do anything, you got to lock in. Right. You're going to practice and commit yourself. I would like for you to do a sport because it's like a lot of team building as you get older. You know, maybe not gonna, everybody not going to make it to where you're trying to, what you can use it for, what you're using it for. Um, we're going to do something. But can I tell you, Brandon, I, I would argue that Kai and Kobe are going to see the most important chapter of your life. Like, yeah. I feel like we have so much to celebrate from the 25 years, and I look forward to the next chapter. Yeah. Like, I think it's going to be the most profound thing that you do, because what you've always been so great at in your legacy is that what you, you did outstanding things on that field, 
but it's what you did off the field that made you the man that you are. I mean, we could go on and on about Walter Payton Man of the Year nominations, and um, I think it's bigger than any trophy. I think it's about the legacy and just what you're still doing for these kids. And because of your dad, because of your mom, you are going to have such a big impact and, like, just blaze trails for them. Like, you just can't – I don't want you to ever underestimate that – what these kids, what your tiny kids are going to see you do is probably going to be the most powerful thing yeah. they'll ever do as a father. And to me, I guess that's the most, I guess, two-sided. is like, um, I guess, nerve-wracking and kind of like, dang, I'm like it's n- another big platform. And it's like, dang, looking at the, up at the mountain, like another, in 25 years, I was able to like do this or what, 35, whatever you want to say, this next piece, like you say, when I get to 55, 60, and it's going to happen like that. And I know what it took to get there. And it's like, Kind of, kind of scary. The next part is like the hope piece. Like that was amazing, and I, and I, I hope I can do that. But then, like the hope, the good part of hope, I'm about to work yeah. to to get to that hope yeah. part, right? So it's like, dang. Now I'm not looking at the mountain like that's a big mountain. It's like let me put my tie my shoes. I'm can't ready. I can't wait to run up this mountain faster yeah. than I ran up this last mountain. Yeah, because it's then, work ethic. Yeah, already, so, you got that's the thing, is right. It's like figuring out you got this work ethic, you're like, I'm ready to work. Cause that's what made you who you are, you know, and to stand out in the NFL. But it's got it's gotta go into something. It's going to go. So all that light's gonna focus like a laser into whatever that next thing is. And I think that's what's that's what's wonderful about it. You don't know what God's next steps are for you, right. you know. I'm forty five now, so I'm probably not gonna get back in the NFL. Wait, I never was in the NFL. <laughs> anyway, yeah, my days are over, right? Yeah. So anyway, but no, what's exciting is watching that next generation and then the imprint, and that's legacy. So, you know, legacy, yes. man, oh, it's going to be amazing watching your kids and all these other young guys and, and girls that you're impacting, you know, really go to that next level. Well, we it's such a good place to leave it because hope really is what we're founded on and it's the common denominator. What I want you to tell me, though, I'm going to get it on the mic. You'll promise you'll come back for Brandon 2.0 because there are so many more things I'd love to talk to you about. I think we got a lot of different subjects we can touch on <laughs> and, like, dig into it. And, then, yeah. you know, maybe one day you can slide this mic over here and you can put another guest and I can help you guys out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. yeah. hundred percent. Another commitment. Oh, you I'm over yes, here. Oh, the co-host. Oh, I just heard a co-host yeah, commitment. That's, right. that's what I just heard. Oh, well, Brandon, it's always such an honor and a privilege to spend time with you and just thank you from the bottom of our hearts for all you've done to enrich NBCF and the women and families that we serve. So much of the hope that we're able to give is because of you. So thank you for helping us help women now. Um, we sincerely look forward to Brandon 2.0 on the podcast and um, we look forward to, you know, just being back here in studio soon with our next guest. And again, I just can't say thank you enough. We love you so much. I just want to say thank you all for today, but just since we met, right, that's the time, that's the moment throughout the journey that you guys provided hope for myself. And, you know, you save a life without even knowing it, right? You was able just to give me an opportunity to use your resources and to provide that channel that I needed to communicate and to kind of, um, I never had like the counselor or the psychiatrist or whatnot. So you, I used you all to just do what I thought was best. And that's continued yeah. legacy that my mom, we talked about and they preached about as, as infants to now. And that's to continue to pass the torch and to ignite other souls and other people. So I thank you all for just yeah, best you know, way to... reigniting myself and letting us do some things. And hopefully as we move forward and continue this relationship that we continue to create more momentum 
in communities across the world. So I appreciate you all. The, the best way to, to heal ourselves is to help others heal and to inject hope into other people. So, you know, it's definitely a symbiotic relationship. We need, we need, we have needed you and you needed us. And I think that's what's so great about it is uh, that God put us together. So thank you for, on behalf of MUCF and everyone for uh, what you've done to use your platform. And that's the thing, you showed up. That's the theme of today is showing up. Showing up. Just keep showing up, people. So right. so All show right. up to the next podcast. We'll yes. see you on the next All one. All right, Bye. that's Hope All Ignited. Right. We love you guys. <laughs>